today on Doomed! What a week it has been. And, I mean, on this episode of Doom with Matt Binder, we could have talked about a slew of different topics. And I'm sure we'll touch upon a few of them uh, towards the end of the show or in the second half of the show. But right up front, we have to talk about what I think is, without a doubt, the biggest news of the week. And that is Tucker Carlson's sudden departure from Fox News. This is just, I mean, I don't even know what to, to say about it. Which is why I brought on an expert to discuss it who can maybe help me figure out what to say about it. Let me bring him up on the feed here so you can see us both on the YouTube and Twitch live stream. Joining me now is Angelo Caruson, President and CEO of Media Matters for America. Angelo, thank you so much for joining me uh, on this show once again. Thanks for having me. Now, I, 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 well, there's a few things I want to talk with you about uh, concerning uh, Tucker Carlson and what's been going on at Fox News recently. Uh, a little bit about the Dominion lawsuit and how that probably or could have weighed in here uh, somehow. Um, but I want to ask you just right away up front, what was your reaction when yesterday, just seemingly out of the blue, the news breaks that Fox News has parted ways with Tucker Carlson? It, uh, you know, obviously there's a little bit of glee because, you know, we have to watch him every night. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> we have to watch him. Um, right. But, uh, I hear you. <laughs> I think the thing I immediately thought about, everyone's trying to figure out why and all these other things. The thing that my brain immediately went to was what a big deal it is, not just for Fox in this current moment, but, you know, Tucker, the best way to think about Tucker Carlson is like, he is pretty much the way Rush Limbaugh was right at the end of the 90s, early 2000s, which is like at that point, Rush Limbaugh was at his peak influence and power. And he was just on the, he was really just getting into place. And when Rush Limbaugh died, and it's crazy to think about, but in 2022, that was the first time in a quarter century where Rush Limbaugh was not the single largest get out the vote operation during an election. Like, I think we have to realize what a big deal it was when Rush Limbaugh died for our politics, for our culture, for right-wing media. And that left a big void though. And what happened is, and this is where the right wing gets their power from, they're like a chorus. You know, they need a conductor to sort of figure out what they're gonna echo, a center of gravity. And there wasn't one for a while. And Tucker was the one entity amongst this hodgepodge, this big but, but sort of fragmented right wing echo chamber that kind of stood up and filled the void. So my brain immediately went to, this was supposed to be the thing that replaced Limbaugh, and now it's gone. And uh, and that's um, that was the, my first reaction. What a big deal. Then my second one was, oh my God, this is horrible for Fox. And what happened? Um, but that that was it. Those were my two gut reactions, and they happened pretty much simultaneously. Right, right. So I guess, I guess you know, let's start out. I mean, you know, I'm sure. I mean, I've played numerous Tucker Carlson clips on this show, but but for people who may be tuning in because they just heard this news and they want to sort of get a better picture of exactly who Tucker Carlson is. Let me yeah. ask you that question. You know, who is Tucker Carlson? If you're, you're just like, if you're Brendan Fraser and Encino Man and you just thought out of uh, a chunk of ice, uh, explain Tucker Carlson. Uh, so he is the most watched cable news host, or was, um, for uh, across all the cable networks. 
And, you know, what he espoused was not like just the sort of typical right wing misinformation. He's kind of like a cross between, you know, a uh, like a think tanky Republican, what you'd imagine, um, Alex Jones, so a conspiracy theorist, and then David Duke. Uh, a, a sort of white supremacist KKK member mixed together. So like if you basically took ingredients from each of those things and you built a media figure, that's what, that's what Tucker was. Every night he would launder conspiracies, promote a pretty, a pretty seriously like racist idea that um, Democrats were replacing white people with people of color so that they could be permanently, so they could always have permanent power. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's an extremely racist conspiracy theory. And, um, and that was it, night after night. And that's the best way to think about Tucker. And, you know, he has a long history. He's been sort of in the right, he's been in the media for forever. Um, he's the only host, as far as I'm aware, that has been fired from all three cable news networks. He was fired from MSNBC. He was then fired from CNN. Um, uh, and now Fox News. Uh, there isn't anybody else that has that. Some people have two, but not all three. Um, <laughs> so he has a long history. And, you know, it. and that's that is Tucker in a nutshell. He's kind of this composite figure that had the most influential program on all of cable news. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the people have their own impressions of him. But if you just if you're, have no idea who he is, you're coming into this cold. That's that's what you need to know about Tucker. Right. And, and so how did he sort of ascend to that position in Fox News where, you know, he got this 8 p.m. news slot? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people when when they thought of like, I don't know, the 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 uh, prime time hours of, of Fox, it was like Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity. Yeah. And you would assume that if Bill O'Reilly, who was the face of Fox News, when he was to leave, you would have thought, oh, I guess Sean Hannity will now become that face. But that's not what happened. No, that's not. I mean, so basically what happened is Tucker, um, after he left, after he left CNN, this is like the you know early Obama years, he didn't have a job for a while. And uh, then he launched this publication called The Daily Caller, which is sort of this right wing online outlet. Uh, and he was doing that. And in addition to doing that, and this is how I think he ended up becoming the face of Fox, is he spent a lot of time doing interviews um, with sort of like emerging media figures. Um, one of them is this guy, Bubba the Love Sponge. And like there's sort of a cross between like traditional politics, but also more just like shock jockey type radio um, but he spent a lot of time there saying really racist stuff. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, uh, he, he, you know, that's, that's where he talked about Iraqis as primitive monkeys, which is what he described them as. He defended child brides. He said it was totally acceptable to, to, <laughs> to, to have sex with a young woman uh, under the age of 18 or 16, even as long as you make a lifetime commitment to her uh, in the form of marriage. Um, there's a lot of other horrible stuff that he said then. And but what it did is he sort of ingratiated himself into like uh, sort of like the the edge of the media. He spent time not just with like more culture spaces, but on the fringes. So that's where he started going on Alex Jones's program and doing. You know, he sort of was re, he was a, he was a he was a an entity without a home, so he could go anywhere without any restrictions. And he spent time kind of surfing the fringes. And so then he joined Fox um, in like the 15, you know, like 15, 16, around then, maybe a little before then. Uh, and he was actually like a sub. He was a weekend host on Fox and Friends, and he hated his job. Uh, it was really obvious. We watched. He fell asleep a bunch of times on the couch while he was hosting. Like, I mean, you really, he really, it was obvious he didn't hate it. He hated his job. And then Bill Riley got fired, as you pointed out. He was the face of Fox. 
uh, Fox started rotating in some hosts. And what Tucker did right away was something new. Um, you know, Bill O'Reilly used to be a culture warrior when he had that eight o'clock slot. If you're like, the war on Christmas, that's Bill O'Reilly's invention. He invented that. He invented that concept. And that was not the only culture war thing he did, but that was a big part of his programming where these are sort of like culture wars. When Tucker took the show, what he basically did was bring all that learned experience from the edges, from the info wars, from the white genocide communities on, on message boards, from his work with the Daily Caller, which was sort of doing more like dirty oppo kind of work. And he made a spicy show. And that was it. And the audience loved it because it was basically a more extreme version of what they were getting from the rest of the Fox News programming sprinkled in with stuff that sounded cool. Um, and it was novel, but also familiar. And that actually is what helped him go from being sort of like a temporary host to getting the pot, the spot permanently. Right. No, that's a, that's a, that, I, that might be the the best explanation of how, how that, that void Tucker filled at Fox while also uh, providing something to the audience that they were sort of, I guess, longing for, but never quite knew exactly what it is yeah. that they wanted. And then all of a sudden there it is. Well, they had an appetite for it, and we know they had an appetite because you know I only I got into all this during when Glenn Beck was at Fox, and there used to be feuds because Glenn Beck would take little sprinkles of conspiracies and he would water them down. He wasn't given to the Fox audience raw, you know, like you know he 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 never went full Alex Jones, but he went like a little bit, you know. He didn't go full interdimensional demon, but he would basically say that maybe Obama attracted flies because he was a bad person, you know. Like he would kind of he would give him FEMA camps. Well, I don't know, but he's doing something fishy with like FEMA, um, or that Obama's listening to in on you on your car, you know. Alex Jones had this conspiracy that Obama um, had a inside GM cars that Obama could take it over. Uh, from the this little microphone that was in your your rearview mirror, and that he was not only listening to you, but that he was using that to secretly control the people inside the car. Um, Glenn Beck took that conspiracy and basically was just like, Obama sometimes listens to you when you're in your car, right? Like, so the point is, Fox audience like wanted this, they had an appetite, but they were getting a watered down version. And then when Beck left, they didn't get anything like that. And then Tucker comes in and was like, here's the full thing, raw, unfiltered, and they. He fed an appetite that was always kind of lingering, um, and he didn't just feed it; he satiated it. It it worked for for him and for Fox. Right, right, and he had the the perfect sort of uh, look too. I mean, you're not getting yeah. it for some like grandpa looking guy. Uh, you're not getting it from some smarmy looking TV show host. Tucker looks like a a, a conservative prep school student. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. He looks like he looks like a you know a southern like frat boy kind of right. you know on a who's like kind of going to you know an event on the weekend. He's like he always wears the same shirts, the same pants. He's like he's very consistent that way, and he talks like that. He's very familiar about it, and uh, and he's in a weird way unlike some of the other hosts that are doing an act uh, or they their performance on camera is more contrived. He is very consistent both on and off air. It's very similar personality, demeanor, interest. Like there's not, he doesn't have an affect when he's on, when he's on camera. It is authentic. And the last thing I'll say, and I think this is a big deal. He's one of the few media figures, especially on the right, that does, that, that has a TV show that doesn't have a radio show. Mm, you know, remember, Sean Hattie's on, the, on air every day for four hours, right? When Glenn Beck was there, four hours. Mark Levin, who has a Fox host, 
four hours. Dan Bongino, who recently had Fox, he's on for four hours. Like these guys don't just do TV. They're doing radio for three, four hours a day. So they're, they're like kind of gassing out. And also they're burning. Through. Imagine we had, if you had to talk every day for four hours, you would lose something, you know? Right. And I think what happened is that, that Laura Ingram up until very recently also had a show for two and hours every day. So like there was, there was just, they were just putting so much out there that Tucker, in addition to having all of that comfort that you point out and that's that approach, he was coming in fresh every night. And that also brought with it a level of like, one, his ideas were new, but two, he was fresh. Like everyone else was at the end of their day when they start their Fox show, whereas Tucker was the beginning of his day. Right. No, I, I didn't even think of that, that you know, he never had any. I mean, he probably because he was much younger, I believe, than most of those guys over at the channel probably didn't f see much of a, a future in radio. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to, to even take that point further, when you think about how the future of Fox was being built around him, like they have this digital channel called Fox Nation that you have to subscribe to separately. Yep. And Tucker Carlson recently, when I say recently, I think in the past like year or two, um, he rolled out a secondary sh like show, which is like a long form interview with yep. one guest for like an hour or so. And then on top of that, they would have like these weird Tucker Carlson specials too, like sort of building this whole future Fox News streaming network around Tucker. Yeah, they um, and it gets back to that point about his like the audience really liking him and having a special bond. He's not just like a, a show that people watched. It, Fox is, you know, Fox really needs to convert their viewers to Fox Nation subscribers because that's like where everything is going and. You know, they need to future proof at all their competitors have their own streaming services now. So like they actually do need to sort of build that market up. Um, they tried everything. And the only personality at Fox that was successful at converting viewers to Fox Nation subscribers was Tucker Carlson. And so to your point, when once they realized that, they he started doing these this weekly pro these these interviews and then these like these documentaries and some of them were really ridiculous like the one that was about how like feminism has weakened male <laughs> has weakened all of male like sexual prowess and that you you know he spent a few days on Alex Jones's farm with a bunch of men who had developed these like special devices to tan your testicles and he did a whole documentary based on this idea that the best way to like inoculate yourself from the harms of feminism was to buy these special testicle tanning devices that this group of people that he spent a few days with were um, were doing. That was a documentary. People paid to watch that. Like that was like a splash. And then he did more, more disturbing ones like Patriot Purge, where he said that, you know, the FBI and Nancy Pelosi were actually the ones that you know, perpetuated the attack on the Capitol on January 6th as a false flag to then crack down on Trump supporters. And, but the point is, is that he was really important for Fox. Um, even when the audience backlash against Fox in, uh, in the wake of them calling the election in 2020, there are these emails from Suzanne Scott, who's their CEO, where she's basically saying, okay, here's our damage control plan. Um, we'll put Tucker on TV during the day. We'll just start showing our audience Tucker clips as a sign to them that we're, we're with them, that we hear their concerns and that we're working on ad adapting it. And even during that time period, Tucker started showing up daytime to do interviews. And it was part of their, because it was almost like they, as a, as a shield, they put him out there and immediately the audience was like, okay, 
we're mad at Fox, but I like Tucker. I trust what Tucker does. And so if they're putting him out, then it means something safe. And you said something earlier, and I'll wrap on that by saying you, it, you mentioned that he was the face of Fox. And right around this time period is when Fox News' PR team started actually putting out this idea, describing him that way. So that, you know, they weren't doing that for us. They were doing that for the Fox audience that was really mad at them over the way that their election coverage went. But they were trying to signal to them that he's our not just another personality here. He is what will Fox, he's the figure that Fox News will increasingly reflect going forward. So you should stick with us. Right, right. And before we, we move into, the, you know, that the election coverage and the Dominion lawsuit and how that factors in here, I just want to say, like, if you thought that selling someone testicle tanning was like snake oil salesman shit, then I don't know what to call someone who sells you a documentary on testicle tanning. Right? <laughs> right? I like, that's the thing. It's a documentary. And he was like, the thing is, it's like all the pieces together. It's like they did it on Alex Jones's ranch. And like, it takes you three days to do a documentary about these boxes. And um, and I look, I, I'm sure there's all these like kind of science components and these considerations. So sure. But uh, it's like basically going to, you know, like one of those like sketchy like mall stores where you buy those like devices and somehow it's like this is nonsense. And you're right. There's a documentary that was basically hawking these things. And he really <laughs> and it wasn't even like it made you healthier. It was a way to stick it to women. Like that's the other part about it. It's like if you want to lie to people about their health, that's messed up, you know, but there's all kinds of gimmicks. But if you're just like buy this device because it's a way to prevent, like it's a way to fight feminism, like that's that. But that gives you a sense of what his programming was doing and who it was for. And I, I know it's kind of ridiculous, but it's also I, I feel like it's important to note that there was a bloodthirstiness to his program, his programming that was distinct, and it started getting increasingly bloodthirsty. And you know when there was a Club Q shooting in Colorado. Tucker's response to it wasn't thoughts and prayers or even ignore it. Um, his headline and hit the frame of his show the next night was, this is what you get for sexualizing children. I, I remember that, yes. I mean, people really, I mean, I, I'm again, I'm sure people have this sort of feeling of, of just like from hearing about Tucker Carlson over the years that like they just know that he has this sort of bad stuff out there, tons of horrible segments. I mean, his history at the Daily Caller, too. I remember back in, like, before Tucker Carlson was really anybody and he was at the Daily Caller, there were those emails that leaked from, like, him and his brother or something like that where they were calling, like, women, like, the C-word or something. I don't – I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was – they were crazy misogynist. Oh, yeah, big time. And he did that again during the Dominion stuff when he was referring to people like Sidney Powell, who was that, you know, that, that sort of Trump-aligned lawyer that was trying to push these theories and – um, yeah, he's an absolute misogynist and he does, he does a lot of culture programming. There's a, a bar stool, uh, uh, um, there's a bar stool podcast that, that it was just played, I guess like two weeks ago. And one of the hosts is talking about, you know, it's a young guy and the, the host was talking about his a recent interview he did with Tucker. And after the interview, Tucker, he's recently married and Tucker told him that the best thing and most important thing he could do as a new husband was to make sure that he kept his wife in line. Uh, and didn't let her get too much control over his life and to have and and because that's a their re, that's their natural state. And if he wanted to have not just a happy marriage, but if he wanted to stay a man beyond like the first couple years of marriage, it was important for him to take those lessons. And the barstool host was even like, this was like what? Like who 
what do you mean control my wife? Just, like, what is that even? And it's and that's not exactly like the you know you know that is a a much more like broy kind of environment. But even they were just like, what what is what is he saying to me? Unsolicited like misogynistic screeds, you know, from Tucker Carlson. And but it is very much gets back to what I was saying before that his on-air personalities were really different than say what he. I mean, his on-air personality is the same as who he is. Whereas like Limbaugh, who was horrible and terrible did have a different persona in person, loved Elton John, you know, would, would say horrible things, but like he had two lives, even though his personal life was still kind of ugly and gross and terrible and racist, it was different. Whereas Tucker, it, it is through and through. And that I think is also what made him so destructive in some ways. Right. So, so let's get, let's get to, I actually, you, you made me, when you were talking about the podcast, I was going to all first say, Man, when when you got Barstool going, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> and then second of all, it made me think of, you know, just hours before we're, we were talking, this news about Steven Crowder's divorce and the feud he's having with these right-wingers is coming out. And honestly, I don't really care about Steven Crowder's personal life, but the video he put out talking about it, what struck me in that video was how many times he brought up, and very purposefully, I'm assuming, because of the number of times he brought it up, that he didn't want to divorce his wife, but Texas let her leave him. As if it was like, if the law did not allow his wife to to have to get a divorce, like if it was just a one-sided divorce and the state said, no, it has to be uh, both husband and wife who agree to divorce, he wouldn't have let her go, obviously. Very yeah. weird very weird. Totally. And I, but I mean, look, I think there's a very large segment of the right wing audience and right wing media, right. Where the, the misogyny is baked into their, to their, so much of their messaging. And that, that goes all the way down to their positions on abortion. You know, there's a, a large portion of them. That's not, it's not a religious thing. It's a control of women thing. You know, they see it as a men's rights issue, not just in the sense that they could be a potential father, but also that they just don't think women should have those the, the, that type of autonomy. And so, yeah, that it is, you know, when you when I sit in it every day, like I live in the fever swamps and, you know, that it's, you know, when you point out that example, that that actually when you hear it independent of everything else, it sticks out so much more. But it just feels so much of like what they are and what they say every day. I mean, there is. It is about the narrative that they tell their audience, and that in turn shapes their worldview. And I, I, it's partly what drew me to this work. It was, it was the Beck, but it was this larger thing that these things ultimately have an effect on all of us because they are polluting a pretty large segment of the population with not just misinformation, but then a narrative or worse, a permission structure. And that, that was one of the things that Tucker did a lot more than other hosts is calls to action, these permission structures, that it's okay to not just have these ideas or have this animosity or feel this way about immigrants, for example, um, or women, but that he gave a permission structure to say it. You know, he encouraged his audience to attack their workplaces or criticize them when they would talk about diversity. Um, he was very repeatedly pointed out that that certain immigrants, except for you know not European immigrants, but he would repeatedly emphasize for his audience that like immigrants make America poorer and dirtier, and it's okay to say it. You know, and so that was the part that I think is where where you go from consuming passive information to then giving your audience something to then take away and act on, which then has even more consequences for us. And it's it was part of the thing that made him, I think, more pernicious than, say, other personalities that are just talking is that he gave them a permission structure to then act on 
um, certain things. It's, it's why he was such a Kyle Rittenhouse booster, for example, and you know why he really advocated the idea of of this type of either vigilanteism or taking those initiatives into your own hands. Right, right. So, so let's let's talk about the Dominion case now. Now, you know, again, something I've discussed on this show, but if someone's tuning in for the first time, just a quick summary of of who Dominion is, why they were suing Fox, and and how that. Sure. Ended, out, ended up, yeah. Uh, so Dominion is a, a voting machine company. They provide voting machines for a lot of counties and, and municipalities. And uh, during the, after the 2020 election was called, um, Fox News called the election or part of the election for Trump, Arizona. Their audience started to backlash against them. A couple of days later, they followed and called the rest of the election. Trump and his people were pushing this idea that the election was stolen. But when you say the election was stolen, you have to give something more. And when we think about the big lie, which a lot of people refer to it as, um, or their big lie, the, the thing that often got overlooked at the time was that they were saying that the way the election was stolen was that these Dominion voting machines were used either by, by Biden or because of some conspiracy that Hugo Chavez had hatched decades earlier. But either way, it was switching votes from Republicans to Democrats. And that's the core of the, of the claims. And Fox News went all in on this conspiracy theory that the election was stolen by way of these Dominion voting machines. And so there's it's really hard to separate out the idea that the election was stolen from the false claim that Dominion voting machines were switching votes. And so Dominion sued them and they said, hey, you smeared us. And uh, they talked about Dominion dozens of times. They repeated or emphasized the big lie during that two-month time period 774 times. Um, Dominion sent them like 3,000 emails um, uh, over the course of that two-month period and repeatedly emphasized them that the claims about Dominion were wrong. Fox News kept doing it anyway. And what's worse, as we found out in this lawsuit, is that not only did Fox News air these falsehoods about Dominion, but that their own hosts or their own staff knew that the things they were saying were false. They were calling them conspiracies. They were saying they were they were effing nuts. They were attacking the people that were pushing them. They were saying they didn't believe them. So they didn't just lie uh, about Dominion and the election. What we discovered as a result of this lawsuit is that um, they were actually knew they were lying and they did it anyway. Right. And so they end up uh, going to court and there's people I think were hoping for something more than what ended up happening. Yeah. I, th I think maybe, maybe they got a little bit more later on, which we're talking about now, <laughs> but the, the, the actual settlement was something like 725 million, something like that. Uh, 787, 787 million goes to dominion and the lawyers. We don't get any more of this juicy potentially, much more harmful to Fox News uh, information or, or possibly even, uh, you know, judgment from a lo the lawsuit. Yep. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, w you know, felt like, you know, Dominion and their lawyers certainly go home happy, but the rest of us really didn't get anything. And then you got, you know, you even had Fox News bragging shortly after in a, in a I forgot which, if it was like Rolling Stone or Vice, I can't remember who, but someone reached out to Fox to confirm that uh, this report that they were going to um, use the settlement as a tax write-off because it's just the cost of doing business. And they were, they, they said, yeah, we're going to do that. We can do that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were really, I mean, 
she, it's just amazing that like, yeah, the, our business is lying. We got, we, we had to settle because of our lies. It's a tax write off. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it is kind of a kick. It is a little bit of a kick in the gut. Um, I will say there's a little spot of good news. They, they avoided a trial. That's true. And that is a, uh, and, and a trial went at a time that really mattered because while Fox was in the courtroom, they were also renegotiating a bunch of these contracts, which we can talk about in a minute. But um, the one piece of good news that I think hasn't been fully, it, it hasn't really, the stat part of the story hasn't gotten out, which again, I have lots of feelings about this, but the one piece of good news is that there's nothing new that would have come out of trial. Um, so all of the information about, that they had um, was released with the motion for summary judgment. And then there was a second thing that came out. It's this um, this PowerPoint presentation that they were gonna show at trial, it's a slideshow, basically. Uh, that's the thing that they would have been clicking through when they talked to the witnesses. And um, anything that didn't come out in the motion for summary judgment was in that slideshow. And that, was, that ultimately came out too. So one piece of good news is that at minimum, certain critical information has not was not contingent on the trial. Now, it still would have been amazing because they would have had to confront their own lies in a public setting. And I think that that would have had a lot of significance for the public, for for weakening Fox, for actually hitting Fox's audience. You know, it's one thing when you see Tucker talking about how much he hates Trump in a, in print, but when he has to talk about that on the stand, it's different. Like think about that Alex Jones clip where you know the lawyer really gets him, and he's like, "Oh, this is a very amazing moment." You know, it's like it sticks. You know, all that stuff was public too before that moment, but it was the Alex Jones trial that really helped reach a whole bunch of new people, and I think that that would have been an effect from this, but. Um, it is a little bit of a bummer. I'm not sure they've, as you pointed out, have fully escaped all the consequences yet, but it is one consequence. And in order to go at something like Fox, they're going to need a lot of them in rapid succession. Otherwise, they'll just absorb it. Right, right. And I got to say, like, I was one of those people who sort of was like, yeah, I mean, I, I knew I understand the case was important and I was following it. But I just couldn't get excited about it. like some people were they were like, we're going to see the end of Fox and everything. Yeah, and I, know. But I will. I will say, though, that, you know, uh, Matthew Gertz of Media Matters, uh, he he tweeted after Tucker was uh, <laughs> was fired, lost his job that, you know, uh, this is why uh, the Dominion case mattered. And I'm sure the people who were sort of poo pooing it. Uh, are, are, are are looking at what they said. And I have to say, I was one of those people. And I have to say, I, I, I guess I did not sort of consider the fact that Rupert Murdoch is very old and likely going senile. <laughs> because... He is very old. And he is very old. And I think, like, I, that matters because he is engaged I... in this. Like, you know, to your point about the senility, and this is like, it actually is a factor. Rupert Murdoch really was one of the things that ended up creating this last couple months for us. Um, his deposition was really, really bad. Um, he admitted during the deposition, uh, he basically acknowledged that one of Fox's big defenses was not true. He said during his deposition, Fox up until that point had said, our hosts never actually endorsed the lies. They were just giving a platform. We're, we're reporters, we were doing neutral reporting. And at one point during his deposition, he starts talking and he's like, yeah, of course my hosts were endorsing it. They were advocating all these things. And I was like, no, no, as people are trying to stop him. And he just goes off about how like, of course his hosts were actually adv advancing these things. And literally their entire defense, they spent months building at that point in the course of a three minute exchange disappeared. It just fell apart. 
Um, and that changed a lot because he conceded an important part of what would have slowed down the, the uh, some of these judgments against them that I think helped escalate a settlement. Um, and yeah, he's he would describe himself this way as an old toff, which I, I don't really understand the expression, but I think it just means kind of like an, an I think it's I think it's an Australian expression or an English expression. I don't quite know what that means, but he said it about himself a couple times, and <laughs> I, he's just an old guy. You know, he's in his nineties, um, and I he's obviously not thinking clearly, or he just doesn't care. And I also think he's frustrated with his son, Lachlan, who is technically the one supposed to make the decisions, but has been very disconnected from the operations of of Fox News. Right. This is where I should start playing the succession theme song behind I, what we're saying, right? <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and the thing is that the thing that I love about all of this is that there's actually a storyline in Succession where one of their TV hosts essentially does and says the things that Tucker says and there's like a whole episode about how like of course they can't fire him and it doesn't matter if he's promoting white nationalism because their audience loves it and the backlash would be too intense and um and I was just like, wow, even in succession, like they, they tried the storyline and they decided not to fire Tucker. And yet here we are where Tucker gets abruptly let go. Right. And, and that's sort of the thing. Like, OK, so he so so Mur Rupert Murdoch messes up the how the lawsuit possibly could have went for yep. him. And then like it, it's happened. It's done. Fox News is intact. They take a little hit, but they're intact. Yep. They still got their strongest new talk show host, the guy who's making them all the money. Yep. And then out of the blue, Rupert Murdoch, uh, I'm assuming it's his decision, decides it's time for Tucker Carlson to go. Um, I should say, like, he, on last Friday, Tucker Carlson does his show. The last segment is him eating a uh, pizza with his guest. Uh, I don't even know the context for that. I'm sure you could fill us in there. They, um, they, they. He he tells viewers to catch his Fox Nation show on eating bugs or something. Yep. And he says, "Have a great weekend. I'll see you all Monday." Yeah. And then, lo and behold, Monday comes around. The dude's packing his bags. He's out of Fox News. Doesn't even doesn't even get a last show. No, and he. That, and obviously it happened abruptly because he was planning to interview uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a GOP presidential candidate, Monday night. And Fox had been promoting his interview on air the first few hours of the day, saying, you got to catch this Tucker interview tonight, coming up tonight. So um, you know, there was it was not something that, I, you know, that that was like that had taken some slow expiration. Clearly, they made a decision about it. Uh, at you know some at some point over the weekend, but that was on Monday when Suzanne Scott told him, and I think it's I find it very significant that it was Suzanne Scott, who's their CEO, that told him because um, he's someone that she's someone that Tucker has repeatedly criticized in his messages um, as uh, not just because she's a woman, but also as sort of powerless and how she doesn't have any control over him, and he's derided her, and he's been very difficult to any of her input. And it's it's not it wasn't her decision. They would never be even when Roger Ailes was running the place. Something like this would always be approved by the Murdochs. They were they were very engaged on the on the talent side. Um, it, always it it would never ever have been Roger Ailes by himself. So it certainly wasn't Suzanne Scott. But it, it felt to me like she wanted to tell him um, just based off of their experiences. And I. I can't help but enjoy a little bit of that Shattenford where it's like, oh, Tucker had to like deal with this this like person who he's disrespected for many years. Um, and I have very little sympathy for Suzanne Scott, but uh, the idea that she did it herself um, is is actually significant because it, it, it does demonstrate from my perspective 
that it was that there was a personal side to this, um, in addition to you know just the actual termination that that she wanted to be the messenger and she wanted him to know that she was the messenger. Right, right. Um, it seems a little bit like <laughs> what's her name again, Lady Olean from uh, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I want Tucker to know it was me. <laughs> she, did. she wanted him to know, like she she wanted to do it all, like she did it, and that's. You know, it's a, it's a, it's it's very significant that she did that. Like, that is that is not a thing typically that she that she would have done. And um, but you know, I and I am sympathetic. I'm frustrated too. I I will say that people should take a little bit of heart because, you know, what the Dominion stuff gave us that was only a small like keyhole view into what Fox looks like. But what it has done is create additional lawsuits, which themselves will get discovery. So shareholders are suing Fox right now, um, and that's going to get access to material and documentation. And uh, and obviously there's this Abby Grossberg lawsuit, which is a former Tucker producer. You know, I, so I, I think like we'll see more information as these litigations start to unfold as as well, um, and get more insight in, into Fox. And it and that in turn makes it harder for Fox to do the thing that really matters, which is walk into these rooms with these cable companies and strengthen their position. Um, for these for these renewals, and that that's really what this is all about for them is is the money, right? So so what what are what are to, to sort of I guess run it down for people because I'm, I'm sure they're listening and they're hearing all these things, but they're a little bit confused as to why still the sudden firing of Tucker. Are are, are we thinking it has to do with everything that that came out in the Dominion case? Is it that lawsuit he's facing from that former producer? Is it how he he treated people? At Fox News, like you, you had just mentioned, yeah, probably a combination of it all. But but it, how much does the Dominion lawsuit play in? Because you know we knew about the lawsuit from his producer. We they, they I'm sure they knew how he acted to people behind the st- scenes. But this Dominion thing it seems to be the the one new piece to the puzzle. Yeah, I think the way to think about it is because I know everyone's sort of come out with their pet reasons as to why that's happened, but actually no one knows yet. And here's what we do know, and and my sense of it, and from uh, is is one is that for something like this, it's a cost benefit, right? So they already know what the benefit is of Tucker Carlson. Now they're having to weigh the costs, and each of those things that you just mentioned are all they all start piling up the cost. They they you know, and when you make a decision, you have to weigh the pros and cons. And these so the cons started piling up. That he was a ticking time bomb. There were litigation, Abby Grossberg, the, um, the, it's likely to get another lawsuit from Ray Epps, which is gonna open up another pathway to discovery. There's Smartmatic, which is gonna add another pathway to discovery. He is a very toxic figure. And so if you're in the room with these cable companies, they're mentioning Tucker because he's a touchstone for them. Um, he said a lot of bad stuff about the boss and that's usually a pretty hard thing to deal with. And all that, they, like, they were forced to confront that. I mean, they literally had to go through his emails with lawyers and say, oh, these attacks on us? Yeah, you just redact that, that's not relevant. He's just saying nasty things about us, but that's not relevant to Dominion. But they, of course, had to experience and read all these messages. So I think the cost benefit was affected, but here's the, what I what I would encourage everyone to think about is this. There's always one last thing, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back, and that, that has not been made public yet. And I think in the co- coming days, what will end up happening is that you'll find that there's a precipitating cause. One specific thing, uh, which I can't totally get into, but I have some hunch about, that was like, okay, this is it. This is now the thing that broke the camel's back, and we should actually, we should decide whether or not we want to weather another Tucker storm, or we want to use this as a chance to fire him. And, you know, 
if you're if you're the Murdochs and you just spent a billion dollars pushing this stuff, you know, and you need to now make a, a money back, the first thing you're going to do is try to reassert control of the organization. And Tucker was uncontrollable. And you're, you're gonna you're gonna drop that little hint of what what it could have been and not give us anymore, aren't you? And I, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I think that I I feel pretty good that the precipitating cause has not been made public yet. And, right? Did and you see that? that did you That's see that, true. Right. Did you see that report or, or earlier today that uh, I th- maybe L.A. Times, I can't remember who, but there was a mention that, um, you know, Rupert Murdoch, uh, you know, young, spry, 90 something year old Rupert Murdoch was supposed to get married yes. to his like fifth or sixth. I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, not at this point. I don't know, but not his first time getting married. And uh, th- this time, though, his fiance left him before the marriage. And um, her favorite host, apparently, uh, she was a big fan of Tucker Carlson. And there was this piece that came out earlier today that speculated that or heard from sources close to the situation that um, Murdoch actually uh, factored in how much it would hurt her to get rid of Tucker Carlson. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. He's a very scornful man. And. You know, there's this uh, exchange as a part of that, which I think is, which I think demonstrates the, how quickly things descended there. She was in conversation, um, and she had said with Murdoch around her that Tucker Carlson is a messenger from God, and Rupert Murdoch, <laughs> uh, Stone, Rupert Murdoch reportedly turns stone cold face and just says, "No, he isn't," and then just like goes back to doing the thing he was doing. Um, and because, but that is a part of people really did believe that Tucker. He inspired uh, an intensity and a ferocity in in his audience, and I, I think it's amazing to me that Murdoch would become a victim in some respects of his own sort of like venomous misinformation machine, um, and that clearly was a factor here. Like, it, it, you know, if the person you're with is like a hardcore Tucker fan, they're probably not. They're probably kind of messed up, honestly. Right. You know? I mean, I'm now convinced with that with that additional information about well, the mess, messenger from God, and then him getting really angry about her saying that. I'm now 100 percent convinced that Tucker was done the second that exchange happened. <laughs> it was over. It was just a matter of time, right? Like, right. It's just like you're done. and you know, if you're Murdoch too, you don't care. Like that's the other thing. These guys have a long view, and I, you know, they. There is a level of like they've re- they they've gone through hosts before, and the world doesn't end. And you know, if you're Murdoch, you really are of this position that this guy's getting almost too big to fail. Tucker hadn't fully gotten too big to fail, but he was getting pretty close. And yeah, why do you have to endure that? And you know, he broke a rule that Fox used to have, which was that you're not supposed to. They describe it as piss inside the tent. And Tucker pissed on everybody. Like, and that is a thing that in the past would have been an immediately terminable uh, offense. And it's something that I think they tolerated from Tucker for a while. But yeah, I don't think we, I really don't think we should take the personal out of this. The personal does matter a lot for a guy like Rupert Murdoch, especially in, in this point in his life. Right. And this is breaking from Rolling Stone just right before we went live. So I don't know if you've seen this. I saw. Okay. So Rolling Stone has this exclusive yeah. that apparently Fox News is prepared to release an oppo file of dirt on Tucker Carlson, if he attempts to torch the network, at, you know that you know in in subsequent sort of whatever his next gig is, I think this is a really I think this is madness uh, because it 
they talk about the fact that the oppo that they're referring to is that he was creating a toxic and hostile and <laughs> and, and and work environment around him that was basically misogynistic engaged in sexual misconduct that was engaged in employee misconduct was harassing abusive like they were that they were keeping records of things that were otherwise fileable offenses and didn't do anything about it and that is a pretty big confession on their part i think they're they're almost that's literally what abby grossberg is suing them for and they just announced that they that they did the thing that they knew all these right. you know, and um but i wouldn't be surprised i mean i think that what i do think is significant about that when they take that hat off is they know that tucker is the only one that can one of the few entities that can actually hurt them um and the thing that is worth keeping in mind about Tucker is he's a very vengeful, spiteful guy. And this is, and he's really mad right now. And right. so he has every incentive to scorch Fox. And if he does, it could create a wound for Fox that they can't recover from. And so, you know, I, honestly, they'll lose between 10 and 30% of their audience alone before Tucker scorches them. Like he he really will be, it will hurt them in the in the short term in a very measurable way. And they know that. They knew when they fired him that they could very well lose at least 10% of their audience up to 30% simply because of the trust violation. Wow. That's, I mean, that's- It's a big audience. I mean, if you you lose 20% of your audience at that scale, that's a lot of viewers. And it's very hard once people really leave for them to come back. Right. And I, I wonder, um, you know, uh, what what do you think Tucker Carlson's next move is going to be? I mean, if there's one guy who could certainly um, make more money going independent than he yeah. would have at Fox or cool. in any network, uh, it's it's probably Tucker. Uh, I mean, there's a the, the world is now his oyster. Honestly, I mean, sad yeah, sad is. as it is to say, <laughs> it, it's it, there's two ways to evaluate this, like. Um, if he, what he does next in terms of making money and what he does next in terms of influence and power. So I think he'll be fine on the money front. I think he will make plenty of money on his own. And on the power front, I don't think he can ever get that back, at, at least in any reasonable time frame. And think about how many people have left Fox and they never have the same influence, even when they have plenty of money in a show. Glenn Beck, Bill O'Reilly, Megan Kelly, Lou Dobbs, like these, you never get it back. Shepard Smith, right? You go down the line. Chris Wall, like, you know, you just can't, it doesn't come back. Um, and so what do I think he does next? I don't think he goes to a competing network. The production value there is embarrassingly bad and he'll never do that to himself. Um, and I don't think he wants to have boss anymore. I think he goes to rumble, which well, is that we, alternative. We should point out that when you say competing network, you're not talking about CNN or MSNBC. Oh. <laughs> you're talking OAN and Newsmax. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just want to make that clear to people, right? Because that's his options, right? I mean, I mean, with CNN's new direction, I could see them thinking maybe we should bring back Crossfire. Let's get a Tucker on the phone, you know? I know, I know, I know. Look, I mean, and I think that's something we should all breathe a sigh of relief about with this Dominion stuff too. Is that I think that without this litigation, the conversation we would be having right now is Rupert Murdoch just about to take control of CNN. Um, even as early as January, he was setting up the pieces. He was re-merging his company. He started publicly talking about the fact that he has one more big deal left in him. Um, he's never tried to buy a company and fail. He's always gone back a couple times, but he did it with the Wall Street Journal, for instance, it took him a couple times. He's tried to buy CNN many times, most recently 2017. 
And he wants that company, and he at least up until recently. And all the fallout from Dominion sort of scuttled his plans. And I do think that that's that is I find that to be some comfort in all this as well is that we averted a a, pre, a pretty big mess on our hands if Murdoch was able to get control of that of of CNN. Right. Do Do you think that they, now for people who don't know the Dominion lawsuit was just one of two major uh, lawsuits they were facing or, yep. or uh, in terms of, uh, you know, election uh, denial and blaming various systems. There's yeah. another uh, election uh, uh, equipment uh, company called Smartmatic that's suing Fox as well. W- what's your take on what happens there? Is it going to be more damaging than even the Dominion one or? Uh... It, it could be informative in new ways and potentially more financially damaging. The reason that I... I almost never talk about it, like I never bring it up, is because New York is so slow. Um, it's really so, we, that thing, that trial may not, like there won't be movement on that for years. Hmm. Um, and so we could be on the other side of 2024 before we even start to talk about the next step in this process. And that's so far off for Fox that in a way, if Fox is successful over the next few months at renegotiating their cable contracts, it almost doesn't matter to them, even if that's a big loss, because it secures their position. So I think the thing to keep in mind there is that we won't really get anything out of that for a very long time. And that the other thing is that, remember, that New York is a media state. Um, and that means the law there is actually uh, very, 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 very flexible. I, many years ago, in a totally different life, I was actually sued. One of the like the one of the early bloggers in New York sued when bloggers were like just the thing in my like younger years. Right. And easily won defending myself before I had any right to do it because if New York's law is so reflexively protective, which is not to to, to dismiss it, but it's like the timeline and how strict New York law is. Um, I think people will be talking about so much other stuff between now and then because of, of the time frame. So I think it's significant. I think it's a factor, but I, I also know how slow New York is and it's, it's, it's a ways away. Right. So I'll, I'll probably be hitting you up in like two years uh, yeah. from now to yeah, talk about this. Like, wow. An update. We got right. an update. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's going to be really slow, everybody. It's going to be slow. Um, so Smartmatic filed their lawsuit around the same time as Dominion, and it was only a couple months ago that the judge ruled that this lawsuit could even move forward. Like, and like literally step two. And that's like been, a, and the Dominion thing is over already. So that just gives you a sense of how slow the New York court system will be, especially around a case like this. Right. So, so the the last thing I wanted to bring up here is, you know, we discussed the the financial hit that Fox is going to take, and I, that that possibly 20 to 30 percent audience loss is just still astounding to me Thanks. but but what i saw online was was the reaction was, was i mean i was expecting it it was clear that tucker is every right winger's favorite fox news host if not favorite host period yeah um, you saw people screenshotting their cancellations of fox nation subscriptions yeah. um people were attacking other fox news hosts who were trying to do their job, I guess, of continuing their regular coverage, which I'm not, no, no uh, sympathy for me for those guys. Hilarious. Uh, Brian Kilmeade got the lucky role of filling in for. I know. <laughs> He's, he is really the ultimate patsy, huh? Like if you, if you need to ever hire a patsy, if you, if you become a evil CEO of some, whatever company and you need like the ultimate hire Brian Kilmeade, he will be, he's your go-to fall guy. 
Um, that's how I think of them, honestly. Right. And then on on the five, what was really interesting was you could tell which guys are uh, like Gutfeld is obviously a, 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 a fan or friend or both of Tucker. Right. And he's like trying to like say, you know, name drop Tucker in the show. And you see like Judge Janine getting really don't talk about it. No, let's move on. Next. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Yes. It's it's incredible to see like the, the dynamic there. And I saw some uh, the, literally there was a joke going around yesterday. That um, when Tucker got fired by Fox News, people were going, oh, Fox News went woke, like as a joke. But then I saw literal conservatives saying, oh, look at Judge Janine's reaction on the five to when Tucker Carlson's name is brought up. Clearly, the left is pulling the strings behind the scenes at Fox News now. It's like, no, no, they're not. No. There, I saw a couple right wing media figures calling Fox News Bud Light which is like the <laughs> worst insult that you can have, at least in right-wing circles currently. Um, and this similar, similar to the Go Woke thing, most of the right-wing radio programs have criticized Fox, you know, that, that aren't tied to Fox. And, you know, and it's, again, it ties back to Tucker not being a, a radio host. Think about it. If you're a, uh, uh, you know, a, a big player, million, two million audience members, you have a good show, Tucker mattered for you in two ways. One, he wasn't a competitor. He wasn't competing for years for your for podcasts for for radio, and two, he would occasionally take your ideas, your content, you, and bring you onto his show, which would elevate your stature within the larger Republican infrastructure, which would give you more influence. And so they liked him because he laundered their ideas. I saw a bunch of extremists today lamenting the idea that now there's no one in the mainstream that will talk about their stuff, uh, and they were mostly referring to like Great Replacement Theory some of the anti-immigration screeds that he pushes. And that's what they're upset about, is that and they don't even see anybody on Fox willing to do that. So, um, and same in conspiracy circles. You know, that, that was the Alex Jones takeaway, was that the left was in charge and also that, uh, you know, that, uh, that Tucker, you know, that they won't get their stuff on Tucker's program anymore. And then I, my favorite part of the day, which I, uh, is that, was the Glenn Beck, Megyn Kelly, and Bill O'Reilly all talking about it. Um, over the course of like two hours, they each did interviews with each other. These are all people that have left Fox, some under various different circumstances, all basically complaining that the kids hate Fox and they're trying to destroy it. And Glenn Beck had a conspiracy theory that this was all about the cable carriage fees. Bill O'Reilly sort of chastised everybody in charge and sort of alluded to the idea that perhaps Murdoch was getting too old to like really keep a tight grip. And um, but yeah, this sort of like fallen Fox figures all kind of. Uh, sort of weighing into no one has been positive about it that i think is the to me the big takeaway right and, and that's a great point you made just there that i didn't even think of that tucker really did um give those sort of upcoming online influencer type right-wing personalities that that spotlight for the first time i mean just off the top of my head in, in just the past couple of months um i mean Higher right chick of libs of TikTok. We we wouldn't, we wouldn't even know who she was uh, right. name wise and what she looks like if it wasn't for well the name wise we knew from other reporting. But I mean we wouldn't have known what she looked like um, be and and put her actual self a non anonymous self out there as a new yeah. uh, you know growing figure on the right. If it wasn't for Tucker's interview with her. That's right. And Viktor Orban, the head of Hungary, who's not an up and coming figure, but same thing. He was someone that Tucker basically introduced to the Republicans and to the right wing as someone that is a model conservative. This guy's an authoritarian, 
And yet Tucker was the one that really got the rest of the right wing to sort of embrace him as, a, as, a, as an example. And but, so there's a ton of that. And, and I think that's the part there's all kinds of conspiracies that he pushes. The bug eating thing, that's a conspiracy. You know, there's a whole big thing that he did with South Africans where he, you know, was reporting that uh, the South African government was ex was exterminating white farmers so that they could steal their land from their families and give them to black people. It was all based off like these like South African conspiracists. And he did like two days on that, um, really getting everybody worked up because he was suggesting that Joe Biden was planning to do the same thing here. But, you know, that is it. That was a part of his program is there's this whole constellation of figures. You know, and, and the thing and I'll, is like it's like it's for the person. You could like you can make a career off of that. One really good Tucker hit could change your life if you're in that that category on the right because it gives you exposure, and then you can capitalize on that exposure for subscribers, for donations, for a whole new profile that you then are able to leverage for you know beyond just having just beyond that one that one appearance. He he was in many ways like a kingmaker in that sense. Right, right. So so we got. Tucker most likely starting his own independent venture, maybe signing a deal at Rumble. Rumble. We got f f right. Uh, I mean, they've been really. It's it's amazing to watch. Uh, uh, finally, a a right wing platform uh, sort of get it right for them. I should say, like yeah. Truth Social, Parlor, Getter, all these all these uh, attempts have been utter failures, and Rumble is like the shining star. <laughs> I know. No, they yeah. did. They, yeah. they, they did. They managed to find something that actually is is a successful model. And yeah, it is. It is a little. It's a little unsettling. Right. Um, yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking more about uh, Rumble too in the near future. Uh, and, and so we got Fox News is going to lose a percentage of their audience. Who do you think uh, to end? To, to I guess end on this. Who do you think they go to to be their new face and, and take that? Um, main 8 p.m. primetime slot. My, my opinion, um, I don't know if he's ready for it, but he's the guy that um, most reminds me of a Tucker Carlson type, although he, he certainly doesn't have that talent. Um, Jesse Waters. Jesse Waters, uh, right. And there's, there's like Clay Travis. Uh, he could potentially move in there, which is sort of like a sports guy. I think, I don't know. I, I think that what's demonstrated is... is and what I'm looking for is I don't think they have a clear answer yet. Um, I will be very worried, though, if they start to move in somebody that is tied into Christian nationalism, which I think if you're Fox right now and you're thinking about how do I not just shore up an audience but expand it, um, that's the area where they have the most growth. And Fox bringing on board a Christian nationalist would be pretty scary to me. Um, and that's one area I, I don't think they have a ready-made host to slide into that spot. And I think you, I think this rotating thing that they do is going to be like this for, uh, for, for quite a while. Um, there's a guy on the weekend, this Steve guy whose name I'm totally blanking on. He's English. Uh, and he, I think that he will end up having a, a, a round on there and he's, he's been a guest host for Tucker a bunch of time and he's been pretty successful in that's in that time slot. It's just they're going to have a really tough time filling it because Tucker was doing something that was distinct and in that he was being he was able to connect different parts of an otherwise sort of factionalized right wing ecosystem. Not many people can do Alex Jones, 
standard Republican flair and white nationalism in the same 40 minute period. You know, it's 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 a hard thing to kind of weave together. And and Tucker did that. And it, it is going to be a real big challenge for them to find someone to fill that spot. But that's that's my that's my that's my sense. I think it's going to rotate much longer than is expected. And most likely the talent will end up being somebody entirely new. Right. And now that you bring up the possibility of a, you know, Christian nationalist getting that position, I'm I'm fully expecting Fox News and, and Rupert Murdoch being so out of touch and not knowing who this person is. I could totally picture Fox News presents Nick Fuentes tonight. <laughs> I know. No, I know. I know. Seriously, like it's like. Uh, I think that they'll do like uh, I, I know for sure they're going to let Ainsley Hare, uh, Ainsley Earhart take take a, 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 a turn in the chair. I don't know if she'll perform in the same way. Um, I think Steve Hilton is is probably the dark horse candidate. He's the guy I was referring to before on the weekends. He he is as close to like the Tucker sort of model, and because he has an English accent, um, everybody thinks he's not as terrifying, uh, and that's just like a thing that that is an advantage for him. Um, so that would be. That would be my sense is that it's going to it's going to be a lot longer than they expect. And I think if you're a figure right now, you don't want to be in the hot seat because you don't want to get that blowback. Um, I also think they're going to give Laura Ingram a shot. Hmm. Yeah, she she possibly could, I guess, uh, fill in, especially if they want to keep those people who, who love Tucker. They might be most susceptible to giving her the shot because they probably liked her as their second fave. Uh, You know, if they had to. And you should discount Maria Bartiromo, by the way. Um, Like she is somebody that, that does a lot of similar programming and she's really built up a profile for herself on the network. And I know that she's a controversial figure right now and it's, it's it's possible if they fire her, I'd be very surprised if they did. But, um, but she is, she is someone that I think will, they will try to move into that time, into that time slot. Uh, uh, it certainly won't be like Janine Pure or, or anything or anything like that. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't see their future uh, as a uh, th- their future face being like some like uh, racist Facebook ant. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, they just I don't think that they they trust her to do a show solo anymore. Um, so. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, you got to think Sean Haddon—he's got to feel like this guy must have thought it was going to be his network. He was going to be the—you know—once O'Reilly was gone, he was yeah. going to be the kingmaker. He's like an afterthought now. No one even cares. He is, and there was a moment too, to your point, in seventeen and early eighteen, where Hannity was on—you know—everyone was calling him his Trump shadow chief of staff, and he was talking to Trump every night, and obviously the network had fully aligned around him. Um, and he was clearly very, he was really feeling it. And so uh, the drop that Hannity felt um, when Tucker really just sort of rose to that prominence, it was, it was precipitous. It was, it was a pretty steep, it was a pretty steep fall for him. And, you know, he's fine, but he is, to your point, he's irrelevant right now. He's not able to leverage any influence. Um, and, uh, and I don't think he'll ever be able to get back that footing um, in, in any reasonable time. Think about it. Trump's first interview back on air wasn't with Hannity. Uh, after his this supposed blackout period, it was it was actually with Tucker just a couple weeks. Right, right. Well, Angelo Carusone, president and CEO of Media Matters for America, this was uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for, for oh, joining you. me. 
this was all, all I mean, both of, uh, uh, it was honestly very fun because, uh, I hate to spike the football, but, uh, cause we didn't really do anything, but, uh, spike the football. <laughs> yeah, let's spike it. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Should, everyone should spike the football. Everyone I, that talked about what a rotten person Tucker Carlson is definitely should, yeah, at some point over the last few years, deserves to basically say they got Tucker Carlson fired. Yes, absolutely. Right. 100%. Right, right. So, Angela, uh, I want to give you the opportunity uh, if you want to promote anything that maybe Media Matters has coming up, uh, you know, drop your own social media and anything you want to uh, uh, talk, uh, mention, feel free right now. Sure. I would say uh, the most important thing you can do is if you have cable or know someone with cable, tell them to go to nofoxfee.com and uh, we tell you how to basically contact a cable provider and make sure that we win this fight against Fox right now because uh, they're trying to renegotiate. I promise we're not going to annoy you. We're not going to ask you for $3. We're just going to give you a piece of information. And if you don't have cable, give it to somebody that does, your parents, family members. It's really easy. It works. We know it works. Uh, and it's the most important thing people could do in this moment to stick right. to it harder. Right. I think people don't realize that. I know you mentioned the, the whole carrier thing earlier, but I just want to really quickly you know, stress to people that like, if you pay for cable, you're actually paying a fee to Fox News, whether you watch it or not. Yeah, like a lot. They're the second most expensive channel on cable outside of like the premiums. ESPN's number one, then it's Fox News. And they're actually trying to go to the table right now and make themselves almost as expensive as ESPN. So uh, it's kind of wild that they, they have the guts to do it, but we have the numbers and we should we should press our, our advantage right now and also make sure that they don't get that guaranteed revenue because it for them, it's you know, it's hitting them where the money is, and that makes it harder for them to keep doing what they're doing. Right. So everyone, go to that website, nofoxfeed.com. That's it, right? Nofoxfeed.com. Yep. Angelo, thank you so much. Have thank a great night. Always a pleasure. Likewise. Take care. Later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is not the end of the show, though. We've got much more to talk about. Uh, we got Don Lemon. Don Lemon out at CNN. We've got. Uh, Nate Silver gone from 538. We got, uh, my own, uh, <laughs> personal weekend news. I'm gonna have to do a whole episode on this. Maybe that's what I'll, I'll do next week's episode on. Um, where I, uh, wrote about the, the growing block the blue movement on Twitter to block the people who uh, are paying for the Twitter blue uh, uh, ch checkmark subscription. Uh, you know, I, I, last week I told you how, uh, you know, all the verified users were going to get their verification removed from the old verified way where you got it for, for free for being, a, a, you know, a, a, an actor or a journalist or a pro athlete or whatever. That actually happened last Thursday. And then I wrote about this Block the Blue movement, spoke with Drill and a, a few other people, published the piece. Uh, the thing took off and was like trending on Twitter for a short while. And then on Saturday, to own me and Drill and a few other people, uh, Elon Musk gave us the Twitter blue check mark. <laughs> Specifically gave it to us for free and is like stuck it on our profile. We, it, like now has actually subscribed me to a Twitter blue plan. Not, not, not what I want to think he's charging me. It's just, I'm just like stuck with a non cancelable but free Twitter blue plan on my profile. Um, and then because of that, he decided to give the, the Twitter blue plan to every celebrity 
account with over 1 million followers, whether they wanted it or not, too, which caused all these celebrities to wake up like Sunday, Monday morning and be like, why do I got the blue check? I didn't subscribe to Twitter Blue. I don't want this. <laughs> oh, it's very funny. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, did, I did have to say that, you know, I didn't think he had it in him. But Elon Musk finally did his first funny thing. And that was definitely giving uh, at least Drill and I the, the check mark. That was I, the, the first funny thing. Probably the only funny thing, too. We'll see. But maybe he's got a second funny thing left in him. We'll have to, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, all right, folks. Let's, <laughs> let's, um, let's go to the uh, second half of the show. Uh, if you're watching the live stream, nothing changes for you. Um, and if you are <laughs> a Patreon subscriber, nothing changes for you either. And before we go to that second half of the show, let me thank those new Patreon subscribers who joined, uh, since the last show. Let me just check what date that last show was so I could see where the, the Patreon cutoff was. All right, here we go. Um, patreon.com slash Matt Binder to support this show if you'd like. Um, you know, if you can't afford to do so, you got other things to spend money on, that's totally fine. This is just a call for people who, you know, thinking about subscribing, uh, been thinking about subscribing to some other creator, but potentially might subscribe to me. This is my call for you to, hey, let's, let's do this. Let's grow this show. Go to patreon.com slash and become a Patreon subscriber. Uh, and let me thank Wanda V, uh, Blex Actually. Ink Sunday, Sarah A, Chris M, Timbuk2, DM, and Lauren H. Thank you all for becoming subscribers over this past week. I think that whole um, that whole thing that happened over the weekend gave me a little subscriber bump with the whole Twitter thing. So thank you all for becoming a subscriber. Um, as always, uh, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel for free. That's youtube.com slash mapbinder. If you want to drop a super chat, I read all the super chats during the second half of the show. It's like a one-time little uh, 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 drop of money, just a one-time payment. Uh, I read your comment. And you can thank me for a good episode if you don't want to subscribe because I get it if you hate subscriptions. You can do the same over at twitch.tv slash mapbinder. You could follow the channel for free. Uh, you could drop a subscription. If you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, if you connect your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account, you actually get a free Twitch Prime subscription every month. That's a free paid Twitch subscription. That's one paid twi Twitch subscription to your favorite subscriber each month. It basically gives them uh, some money uh, that doesn't cost you any more than you're already paying Amazon for Twitch Prime. In fact, you force Amazon to share your money with uh, uh, your favorite Twitch creator. So do that over at twitch.tv slash Matt Binder. I'm on Twitter at Matt Binder. Um, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go to that second half of the show. You'll be able to call in via Skype. Uh, just call in Doomed Live. It's just one word, Doomed Live, exactly how those words are usually spelt, but just no space in between. I think on Skype it actually comes up with an underscore one at the end, but if you just type in Doomed Live, it'll come up. Um, and uh, I, I, again, live stream, Patreon. You, If you're watching live or you subscribe to Patreon, you're not going anywhere if you don't want to. This is just where I say goodbye to the, fr the freebie podcast listeners 
And by the way, you can catch all the links to the podcast version of the show at doomcast.com. And if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcast or Spotify or Google Play or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure to leave a written review or a star review if you haven't already to help push this show up the podcast rankings. And uh, this is also where I say uh, I will see you podcast listeners all next time on Doomed.